You're listening to Transplaner RPG, an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, dark-fantasy actual play channel set in an original non-colonial, anti-orientalist multiverse. The Chaos Protocol is our second main campaign and stars Valiant Dorian, Kai Kay, and Sam Starr as players, with C. Thomas as the producer and Connie Chong as the game master. Transplaner RPG is sponsored by Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon, because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy failing upward, and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and thank you so much for supporting our work. Content warnings for this episode include romance, flirting, complex and complicated relationships, trauma, grief, Interpersonal Tension, Fire, and Immolation. Arc 1, Episode 6. Spills Mayhem Bright. From Self-Eulogy of a Martyr by Connie Chong. The Royal Palace of Siren's Song is a grand, striking imperial complex built into the towering peaks of the mountain. Stout, Horizontal buildings sport sloping roofs of glazed tile and red-painted pillars. Courtyards of blooming orchids, plum trees, and golden larch sprawl between large halls. Stone bridges arc over silver streams where fish dart between lily pads and lotus flowers. The smell of honeysuckle and incense is thick in the air, but the most striking aspects of the royal palace are the branches. Thick wooden branches curve around every pillar, every wall, every bridge, every roof. Flowers bloom along these branches, flowers of every color and size and species, yellow orchids, pink peach blossoms, orange lilies, white peonies. There are also fruits, bundles of bright red lychee, sprigs of orange kumquat, fuzzy purple yang mei. Even from afar, these branches are visible, as integral to the architecture of the palace itself as floors and walls. From your position at the base of the complex, walking up the gentle but challenging slope toward the main gates, the palace resembles a flower crown on the very peak of the mountain. It is colorful, vibrant, full of life. And, as Abbasi explains on your way up, the royal residences of the three major reaches were one of the first structures to be built after the initial bloom of the Verdancy. And though this palace is only 300 years old, which is young by some, it seems to carry memories of civilizations much more ancient than itself. After all, the people of the Wild Sea are the descendants of those who came before the Verdancy. Memory has a way of living through blood and root. We push in now, on your party, reaching the main gates of this palace. And gate here is a little bit of a misnomer, because there are no hinges or locks or even doors. Instead, a towering wall of thorny branches blocks your passage into the first courtyard of this palace. These branches seem to be the same as the ones that twine around every building in the palace that's just beyond your reach. But instead of flowers and fruits, these sharp, thick thorns sprout from the ancient bark of the vines that impede your progress now. And I think as we pull down on your party, I want to get a sense from each of you, how have you been taking the travel up the slope? And maybe what do you look like now after your remarkable meal at the Yellow Pinwolf? I want to start with Lumira. Lumira, since she has to slide back into high royalty, I guess, if that makes any sense, like into that gear, she is walking very intently. Her cloak that normally goes up over her shoulders and these sharp pauldrons uh, that are now kind of just branches that cross over her entire torso. As they were walking, the branches started to uncurl from across her shoulders into like a halter neckline. 
and branch out into this massive corset that wraps around her her torso and back down. The tree is very still, very much still prominent on the back, uh, but it starts at about mid back before it wraps itself up. And you can see right along her left collarbone is this very jagged scar that's in this marble. And she just kind of is looking around at everything before getting stopped by a bunch of purple orchids and like drops to a knee to like smell them, thumbing over the petals, admiring them for a second. Yeah, uh, as you're admiring these orchids, as your party comes to a stop in front of this looming vine thorn wall, I want to pan over to Zynan. What's Zynan been up to during this journey? The food was nice and filling, which is always satisfying to him. He likes simple things, and eggs are familiar and easy in most planes. On the walk over, I think as Lumira begins to shift, he walks right up next to her. And at first, it's subtle. He's just walking there, but he stays at her pace very purposefully until there is a moment where the other three are distracted. And he just offhandedly, out of nowhere. So, uh, Phoenix had some regards for you. Lumira aptly freezes in the middle of admiring these orchids and kind of steals her face for a second, turns around looks you very directly in your eyes. Into what regards? Naeem has uh, spoken of you. Mm. And I was curious how you left that, what your feeling is about it. I'm sorry, I don't think I understand your question, Sinan. I just don't know very much about your record there. Having a wonder. Flowers are beautiful. Yeah. Orchids are my favorite. And I think at that, he sets his jaw and looks at the vines around. And as he looks towards Sir, his hand moves down his side towards that weird wisp at the top of his boot as it looks like a gust of dust blows off of him as he looks towards the orchids on Sierre's head. Well, things didn't necessarily go the way they were supposed to. Really? And I lost my clearance. It's all right, our win. Mm. Yeah. And she looks visibly uncomfortable. I think sensing that he lets her go for now and starts to head back to the other three. Yeah, as you part and Lumira, there's a moment of uncomfortable solitude by yourself, as I think you're observing these orchids and you cannot help but hear in the back of your mind uh, screaming and shouting and chaos going off from a memory that you've, you've tried to walk away from, but that still haunts you. And the sensation of healing gone wrong, healing gone sour, dust wiping that, rejuvenating magic into something else, something else coming in to twist it, and then a hand rests on your shoulder, and it sing. Hey, Lou. Uh, sing, hi. Um, hey, you good? I picked these for you. And Sing like pulls out a small bouquet of flowers that have orchids arranged, I think as like the central thing, but there are little bits of like green leaves and honestly a very well put together arrangement as she presents it to you. Lumira just genuinely smiles and takes them. These, you even got the purple ones. Yeah, <laughs> I know how much you like those. Um, hey, listen, uh, what happens in the past is important, sure. I'm not saying it's not, right? But it it doesn't define us, you know? It's what we do now, it's the choices we make now. That too. Duly noted. Um, we have a mission, the both of us. 
That's right. We do. Thank you. And she just kind of points the flowers like directly towards her before she will visibly turn and go back the other way. Like, <laughs> yeah, yep. As you as you turn and go, uh, you just hear Sing call after you. Oh, and Lou, for what it's worth, I think Nova looks better on you than Phoenix. And she stops for a second before kind of rolling her shoulders back again, taking her normal stance. Doesn't verbally acknowledge it, but she does have a bit more pep in her step, though. Mm. Yeah, as you return to the rest of the group, I want to know what Sayer's been up to. <laughs> While Zayden and Lumira and Singer may be a bit indisposed. Sayer has a very different look. His pupils are still wide, as if still coming off great adrenaline. He has deep pink, almost lightning marks all the way down his neck, down to his chest. And off to the side of his neck, the marks of deep red suckers. <laughs> On his arms, he also has more of those deep pink electricity marks. <laughs> he, he went through it. If I may. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Tell me. I think as it's just you by yourself, Abasi pulls up next to you and gives you like a bracing pat on the back and says, at least we're both banned for life. <laughs> yeah. At least it's the both of us. Uh, and as he kind of like mutters that almost like disappointed but not surprised, he looks towards Lumira bent down to gaze upon these purple orchids in full bloom and the orchids upon his head open and bloom even more like sunlight has just touched them. And he sighs and looks upon her and then the air shifts after the conversation with Zainan, the conversation with Sing. And if I may, Lumira, what is a stress tell that Sayer picks up in this moment? Lumira has a hard time staying still. She always has. She's walking. If she's standing still, you can visibly see and hear her right heel clicking as her leg is bouncing continuously in anxiety. She's trying to steeple her hands and hold them the way that she normally does, but it's too shaky. So she's making like fists and trying to close her hands in on each other before finally just sticking them in her pockets in full bald fists and is very tight, tighter than usual in her, her stature and her posture. Uh, Sayer, I think, was standing with a bossy and without really looking at her, kind of just says, excuse me. He marches up decisively towards Lumira and he pulls something from his pocket, a fidget almost, like it's really small and discreet. It's in the shape of a cube with ever-changing locks and gears all around it. And he walks up to Lumira and he's just like, Lumira, hey. Hey, hey, Sayer. Uh, can I help you? Do you need anything? Uh, no, no. Um, your, the gum helped a lot, uh, with everything. Uh, <clears throat> I, I'm... She, like, grabs the side of your face and, like, looks at the lightning marks on the sides of your neck. <sighs> they are better than they were previously. I mean, fire was a no-go, so lightning it is. You have to be more careful. I didn't know it was going to jump at me. You can feel her hands shaking still underneath your cheek. He puts his hand on your wrist. You okay? Yeah. Um, I'm fine. Never better. His eyes furrow on you. If ever need to talk, like in the observatory before. Just you and I. No, no questions or anything. All right. Her eyes soften. Of course. But for now, we have a mission 
We do, and uh, maybe this will help. And he opens up his hand, and there's that little cube. Helps me whenever I'm ready and raring to go. Uh, I do not know what to say. Thank you. And she'll stick it in her pocket. He just smiles and says, you don't have to say anything. Now go piss off a queen, apparently. I'm trying my hardest not to piss off a queen. Good luck with that. <laughs> he looks over at Abasi. Zaynan is over there, like, talking to her about the vines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just making very, like, normal vegetation talk, right? And I think yeah. Sing falls into step with Zaynan and Abasi. And, like, she also kind of injects herself into the conversation and strikes up a very easy discussion. Sing has always had a way with other people. Like, she's always gotten even the most clammiest folks to open up. And when this group of the five of you, like, pull up to the wall proper, Sing is in the middle of saying to Abasi... And uh, so, yeah, I guess you could say Lumira, Sayer, and I grew up together in a way, but then we kind of like drifted apart to go on our own wild sailing cruise. And now we're back together and we're with Sina now. Also, who's super cool? Thanks. Oh, that's nice. I've always kind of wanted to be a wild sailor ever since I was a kid, but you know, royal princess duties, all that stuff, you know, was never allowed to go out and just travel the wild sea and now that the calamities are mounting in intensity, you know, my parents are using that as a double excuse to not let me out onto the verdancy, but I want to be down here, you know, with everyone else doing stuff. The thing is, parents will do anything to keep their kids safe. You should value that they care about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I do. I do. I do. But it's also so, like, stifling, you know, like, to have someone else tell you exactly who you should be and what you should do. Yeah. They're looking at calamities, plural. They're just trying to keep you safe, I'm sure. Zynan, you do notice out of the corner of your eye when Abasi says to have someone tell you what to do and who to be, Sing soured at that. She kind of like drew back a little bit and like had crossed her arms over her chest and looked inward a bit, like in a way that isn't very Sing. Like there's a moment of vulnerability there, a moment of something of what Abasi said seemed to resonate within her. But then you look again and she's back to her usual buoyant jubilant self, right in front of this wall. Okay, so is this the gate? And Abasi studies this wall with a very careful eye. These are soul shanks. They are a kind of vegetation that's endemic to Siren's song. Actually, it's said that the queen of this place and her cowardly daughter can control the soul shanks. Apparently, they can see the true intentions of anyone who approaches and will treat them accordingly. Uh, full disclosure, I did get through the last time by blasting a hole through the wall, but it did cause a ruckus and the soul shanks did not like that. Part of the reason why I was only able to grab a couple of useless books before the castle spit me out. Your disrespect for books and literature is alarming, to say the least. I'm just more of like a hands-on burner. Know what I mean? I do, and I also think that the vines might also be hands-on learners. <sighs> yeah, don't remind me. Um, uh, Princess Sahar, what do you mean by the castle spit you out? Uh, oh, right, yeah, the soul shanks. I'm sure you noticed on our way up here, the castle is filled with them. Uh, all of those branches are technically soul shanks too, but they're just not thorny because once you're in the palace, they don't need to be thorny and super aggressive. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, one of those things found me and whacked me out like a gopher. So we need to have the right intention. Yep. And it's not just the intention that you think you have, it's your actual intention. Hmm. All right. And as he says that, that dust fully wafts off of him in a visible amount at this point, I think, because he looks to sing and uh, his hand begins to move just thinking about dealing with these vines in the same direct way that Abasi did, maybe a little more subtly than bursting through them. But the thought of true intentions being shown versus these vines kind of unsettles him a little. Mm. Yeah, Zainan, actually. I want to know what intention do you name, maybe even out loud or, or hold in your mind, 
right, as you stand there looking at the soul shank vines, versus what is Zainan's heart's true intention, one that you might not even be aware of. I think his conscious intention, having the mission always first, but also this creep of whatever is going on with Sing, is to protect everyone to get out of this with the most lives saved, these calamities, plural, are gnawing at him, so he wants to save people. But deep underneath that, the dust and the grit are starting to really chew at him of this place, and every time someone says calamity, he has maybe not externally every time, but internally winced. And his true desire is to save people that he can never save. Zainan, as you stand there holding your conscious intention in your mind, right, looking at this wall of vines, the portion of the wall directly in front of you begins to move. It begins to shift in response to your thoughts, not even the ones that you say out loud, but the ones that you hold truly deep within the pit of your heart. And you see the tips of these sharp fang-like thorns begin to turn to dust. This portion of wall just starts to flake away like petals of ash, but not just swept away in the wind arbitrarily, they take the form of someone, like a ghost being caught in this sheet of ash before they float away. They take the form of one of your parents. So tell me, Zainan, what does Aija's silhouette look like? They are thin and willowy, almost as if the shadow from Zheguang were slight and a little bit more petite, but still with that same square shoulder. And like the shadow, an edge of confidence in the lean and the cock of a wide flat-brimmed hat. A familiar hat, I might add, and the dust catches against it, right? And you swear this silhouette, this memory, this ghost, this fractured shard that was subsumed by oblivion. You swear it looks at you too, and then it's gone. Wiped away by this dust. The feeling of wind passing through just the space, whether or not it took the dust away doesn't matter. He can feel cold night wind with the smell of grass for just a second. And he steps forward. Lumira, what intention do you name as you approach the soul shank vines? And what is your heart's true intention that you might not even be aware of? Damn, I was really hoping that was only going to be a Kai question. Okay. Um... <laughs> the sights are trained on all of us where none of us are safe. I was like, listen, there's no safe. safe. Who that hurt me. Okay. Um, so... The intention that she's calling to mind right now is to help Princess Abasi in righting whatever wrong she feels, right? Like she, Umira understands the intentions and while she may think they're kind of petty in some aspects, she also understands and wants to help. She's always wanted to help. That is her core, that's her calling. But I think deep down, if you dig, if you dig, you have to dig very, very, very deep. I think at her core, much like Zainan, she wants to help those that she couldn't and figure out the most succinct way that something like that will never happen again. She couldn't previously but she knows she can. She just doesn't know how yet. 
Lumira, the leaves and thorns and vines in front of you rustle and move as well in response to your heart stirring. And at first, I think we see a kind of humanoid figure being formed out of like a laurel wreath of leaves and thorns and vines and roots and branches. And at first, you think it kind of looks a little bit like a Maru. Just a little, just, you know, something about the divine celestial edges of it, something about the cock of your head, and something about one of your arms, which is missing. No, not missing. In the place of where it should be, we see these bone-white, pale-bleached branches peeking through looking like skeleton, right, to form that arm. And we see this silhouette of Amaru cock its head and almost seem to, sh to shrink and, and vibrate with agony and rage and, and guilt, but not guilt at Zimself. It's your guilt being projected onto Zim and then they glitch. Glitch. And the glitching does not come from the leaves, Lumira. It does not come from the soul shank vines. It does not really come from the verdancy, does it? It comes like a glitch in reality itself, a glitch in your perception, and you see it. The drifter. Directly in front of you, and yet still on the periphery of your vision, like you are in sleep paralysis, staring at an entity you do not understand, and then it's gone. Sayer, what intention do you name? as you approach the Soulshank Vines, and what is your heart's true intention? Seir has always been a very direct man. He does not like fails, he does not like untruths, lies, deceptions, and his surface intention is to unravel the truth, because um, Abasi's right, something's wrong. Something's terribly, terribly wrong. There are secrets upon secrets, and he doesn't like it. And he, his intention is to employ all of his training as a Strike Team Nova member and prove himself to uncover this truth. The deeper intention, almost like a temptation, almost like someone calling you home. Sayer is looking at the beauty of the verdancy, the gorgeous flowers, the iridescent colors of fruits and leaves, all that came from calamity. And there is kind of like that deeper intention where he's like touching on that, that comfort, that seeking of the beauty underneath all of this may be a purpose for himself where even he feels his strength. Sayer, question for you. Oh no. Yes? How comfortable are you authentically, truly, genuinely with accepting this part of yourself, seeing, trying to see the beauty instead of just the destruction? What type of question is that? It's like seeing a painting you know is beautiful for the first time. There is a clumsiness, a trepidation, a way that he doesn't really understand what it is. It's when you're looking at a painting and someone asks you, what's your favorite thing about this painting? Why do you like it? And he can only fixate on one that's it's just beautiful. Hmm. So I think to answer your question, he's not fully accepting it. It's dipping his toe in to test the temperature, readying for the cold water to shock him out of it. <laughs> Sayer, as you dip just a part of yourself into this acceptance, into this recognition of beauty within yourself that you see reflected in the natural world and yet that you have denied, that other people have denied at the syndicate from you for so long, I need you to make me a defense role. Oh, fuck. Using teeth as your edge and brace as your skill. Oh, that's good. I got more dice on that. Teeth and brace. That's 3d6. And I'm going to cut two for difficulty. Cut for difficulty. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's one. <gasps> you got a one? I rolled a five and a two and a one. So, yeah. <laughs> that's a disaster. Yep. The entire wall explodes into flame. Pure incandescent, blazing 
What color is it, Sayer? Blue. Blue fire. It just pillars up. It goes up like an oil fire. And immediately, uh, you all smell burning sap and burning leaves and these twisting vines. You hear the crackling of it. And there's something else as well, this immediate popping sound as we see this kind of like thick amber liquid seep out from the now twisting, writhing vines ensconced in blue flame. And this liquid almost looks like, what was that drink? Creserale? But something about it is extremely flammable. And we see the blue flame starting to leap immediately. Like there's just no hesitation from the wall to the surrounding forest at the base of the mountain, the surrounding greenery and vegetation. Uh, and I think this just came out of nowhere, but it definitely leapt from Seir. We saw it, a spark of it exploding from the center of his chest, exactly where his tattoo was, and touching the wall, igniting it up in a single plume. A bossy stands in front of the wall, her eyes so wide. We see this blue fire dancing in her gaze and her jaw is slack. And there's a look of pure terror on the princess's face. And she has been so confident this whole time, honestly, kind of arrogant, right? A bit, a bit blasé, a bit flippant, but all of that is gone. In the face of this heat, this fire, her eyes are so wide, sweat rolling down the sides of her jaw. She like takes a few steps backward and goes, what? No, I don't, huh, what? And then Sing steps forward. We see her now, I think also silhouetted and haloed by this blue flame going up all around her. And she lets out a, Sayer, everyone get behind me quick. This place is going to go up in fire if we don't stop this now. Zynan is actually frozen for just a second, uncharacteristically locked in place as the spark lights across the vines but as soon as Abasi actually makes any noise near him he wheels wheels around and by the time Singh is calling for one he wraps an arm around the princess and tries to drag them with him mm, yeah you drag Abasi she kind of stumbles and she's like what wait what's happening is this an illusion I uh, what fire here how smells real to me come on yeah, and Abasi is stumbling backwards. She's just like, she's absolutely shocked. Like, this is just like unthinkable for her. Lumira, what are you doing? Sh shit, I think I go on to defense mode with Singh, trying to figure out a way to coordinate with them how to, to best handle this. I don't think there's anybody injured as of now, so. No, but the fire is spreading and very quickly as we see like the trees near you begin to ignite, they just go up like oil fires as well. We see that um, weeping amber sap coming out of those trunks. Like all, every single tree here seems to have that sap within them. And all of you kind of hear Abasi whisper, the chrysorin. Oh no, the chrysorin, the chrysorin. Uh, and then Sing whirls around to face you, Sayer. And her face is so serious. It is exactly the same expression as she had back on that backwater plane, Earth or something like that, when that disaster caused by you had occurred as well. She looks dead serious and she grabs onto your arm and she says, Sayer, Sayer, look at me, look at me. Focus, okay? This is you, you can stop it. Uh, he kind of is frozen in the moment because it, it leapt out of him. He didn't want this to happen. Why does it always happen this way? He didn't want it like this. And he kind of just tries to breathe in and, and listen to sing and, and looks at the Kreser and looks at Abasi and how terrifying everyone looks and how they're all looking at him. Him, he's the cause of it. Again, it's six, oh, it's earth all over again. Lumira runs up and places her hand directly on the side of your face. Look at me, focus on what you can do. There is a glint in his eyes as if you're looking deep into a blue flame. The amaranth all along his crown begin to peel open. And as they peel open, what I would like to do, Connie, in this moment is use guide my hands, my trait. I will burn to borrow and measure my ancestor's competency. Okay. Ancestor, technically, 
technically you were kind of made by fate as an unattended byproduct. So you're trying to draw on that power, eh? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, mark it. Yeah, I will it. mark it, and I think this is him. I think this is iron. Oh, sorry, this is instinct. And he's trying to tap into what he knows. I want to ask for a brace or a break. Break? For this? Maybe a break to break the flames. Yeah, that's right, kind of what I was like thinking. Right, to just completely destroy them. Sure, go ahead. I am going to cut one for difficulty, though. Yep. And that's why I took the guide my hands so that I at least have three <laughs> dice. Okay, you cut one for difficulty. That, that's a five and a three. That's a conflict. That is a success with a drawback. Okay, so I think what this means is how does it look as you try to channel your magic, your destructive energy, but kind of turn it around inward onto itself so you quench the flames, right? What does it look like? What happens is... Sayer does two things. The blue flame like licks and swerves wildly, but at the same time, it looks like the heat and the wind mm. that is being produced, engulfed, consumed by this flame, draws the droplets of sap onto one contained ball of flame, like a vacuum. And they drop and they drop these ember droplets and as it does so, it begins to pick up in almost like a twister. A contained twister, whipping these up into glittering dust flecks. Mm. And then it just absorbs the fire into a vacuum, and all that is left is a loud whirring of wind kicking everyone back. So that's what you try to do. There's a drawback. Oh, fuck. Uh, as... Yep, the blue flames kind of swirl into almost this kind of like orb. And the immediate fire by the wall does die down. And this orb kind of like travels alongside the greenery, flanking the area, picking up the rest of the flame, like wrapping it all up, right? Kind of collecting it like it's a big ball of debris, essentially. Uh, but Sayer, you've never done this before. You are terrified. Uh, this is horrific. With your drawback, I think that means you can't do this by yourself, Sayer. You've never really been able to do this by yourself, have you? Sing has always been better at the whole helping the world thing. And as you stand there quivering, I think your hands outstretched into these like curled claws, we see this ball of fire. All the fire's been wicked off of the leaves and the branches and condensed into a single orb in front of you. Wind and heat is whipping out from this sphere and all of your clothes and hair is just like flapping all around you like there's a big gust. Sing comes up next to you and says urgently, Sayer, if you lose control of this thing, it'll detonate. I, here. And she raises a hand to join you, I think, next to the orb. And we see pink energy now swirling in as well. So it's pink and blue, pink and blue, as these two twins are like holding this orb. And uh, uh, together, the two of you like squash this sphere down until it's about the size of the oracle, right? And then at the same time, the two of you kind of like clap your hands together, like you seize up the magic and it's gone. <sighs> As the ash falls, Sir, all you see is Zynan's green eyes glaring at you from under the hat. Sayer says nothing. Nice work, Sing. Sayer. A heartbeat late, like everything in Sayer's life. His name utterance, his creation. And he heard that heartbeat late from Simon. Is everyone all right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I... What the... What the hell was that? Wildfire. Blue wildfire? I've never... God, I, I could have sworn it. It came from you. And Abasi turns to look at you, Sayer. And I think there's a brief moment, but then sing steps forward, kind of like interposes her body between Abasi and Sayer, and says, It wasn't him. Zainan's right, it was just some kind of freak wildfire. Uh, the calamities, right? That was a calamity. Yeah. I, I felt it, in the magic of this place. Didn't the rest of you? This was a calamity, right? Exactly. The, uh, the electricity does weird things around the, uh, the sap. 
Abasi's face narrows, it darkens. She kind of looks at each of you, trying to like suss you out. But then she seems to come to a conclusion and her face clears up and she goes, yeah, yeah, okay, right, electricity. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, wow, that was, okay, well, we need, to, we need to get like, you know, like on this mission now. Yeah, like, let's go. Sad. Yes, now, yep. I know. In front of you, this poor soul shank vine wall is charred. Parts of it had already reduced to ash. So there are kind of like these holes filled with this just like black soot, I think, that you're able to eke your way through. And and the vines and the thorns and the branches are kind of quivering, almost like in pain a little bit, all of you sense. And especially you, Zainan, as you approach the wall with its like burnt down ashen areas, something deep within you pangs for it, right? This is This is a physically realized aspect of the world that was just hurt but for now it does kind of like let your party through like you're able to like slip through the holes uh in the soul shank uh, wall but even as you step through these like a blasted open apertures like before your very eyes that amber liquid starts to seep through the wounds and you already see new growth starting to sprout from like those crevices. You see like bright new tender green shoots coming out and starting to lace themselves back together. I think all of you get the sense that whatever this thing was, um, this liquid, this sap that Abasi had called Kreserin, it seems to both be very flammable, but also like immediately regrow like very quickly. And in fact, even the vegetation that's not the wall that had been burned also start to re-sprout limbs. I think as we pass it, Zainan, partly to like feel the greenery, but also as almost a bit of an apology, he reaches out and touches it and tries to feel some of that sap. I would like you to make an action roll to see how much of the sap you can gather. That's either going to be instinct, sharps, or tides as your edge. I think this is definitely tides. Yeah. And harvest. That makes sense. Yeah, if you want to like maybe take a part of it harmlessly and, and I think, examine it. Yeah, it's just to touch it. Lumira, did you want to help? I was going to do the same thing. First, the gum that she gives people prior to healing them is her trans-issued stabilizer, essentially. But when she got to the Wild Sea, instead it became almost this mason jar of like this poultice of different plants and earth and elements that are grown down into like this paste. And she reaches into her cloak and unscrews it, takes out this massive handful and spreads it across like some of the most charred point of impact essentially spot to heal it. And she just kind of drops to a knee. I am so sorry. And in like another little like, cause she carries a pockets go deep in this cloak. Uh, and she reaches in and grabs a vial, uh, an empty vial. She wants to collect some of that. Mm, yes. I, however, resolve that is I'll, I'll let you add a pip to Zainan's role. And I'll also give you a, a little bit of a specimen depending on the outcome of Zaina's role. So Zaina add one advantage. Awesome. It's a good thing because I did not roll. Excellent. It is a five at the end though. We got there. Okay. A five. That's not bad. So success with a drawback. I think I'll tell you what the drawback is at first for both of you because Lumira, you also helped. As soon as you touch any of the Kreserin, it burns you. Uh, the amber sap is like toxic to the touch. It's almost like some kind of acid or something like that. It, it hurts with just bare contact. So both of you are going to have to mark one on a track. Zion, which track are you marking? Tough as nails. Makes sense. I think there's like a sizzle like sound as like your fingers touch it. And maybe you just by instinct draw them back as they smoke. What about Lumira? Uh, I'm going to mark empty the mind. Mm. Your, your tranquility of mind and your composure, mm -hmm. right? Not even, not even phased by it. Yeah, you do register it as pain, and I think a part of you just categorizes, oh, okay, Kreserin burns, right? Won't do that again, right? Like, and I think that's just how it is for you. Matt, she will reach into her uh, boot and grab her knife, 
to kind of like scoop yeah. into the vial, the rest of it after that though, for sure. Absolutely, yeah, you, you learn from <laughs> uh, stimulus. That's what you do, yep. <laughs> Everyone be careful, this stuff still recovering quickly, but it can bite. And he does shed a little bit of sap on his fingers mm. to the other two specifically. Mm. <laughs> yes, Zynan, you did get a success. So I'll tell you a little bit and you can ask me a follow-up question if you want. So Kreserin itself seems to be like a part of all vegetation of the wild sea, right? It just seems to be kind of like the blood, for lack of a better term, of the verdancy. Like all plants here seem to be imbued with it. And looking at it, like thinking of how flammable it was, but also how it stimulated new growth, you're starting to put together why maybe fire is so taboo in this realm. Because Kreserin is not only super flammable, but it always gives fire something to feed off of. You can't just like starve out the fire or wait it out. Like it keeps growing new things so the fire keeps going. So like any, even a tiny little spark out on the open wild sea, could turn deadly for like the entire world, right? It's the first thing you kind of come to the conclusion of looking at this. The other thing is synergizing and resonating with what Abbasi said about the soul shank vines earlier. These branches seem to be interconnected with each other, not just with the wall, but with all of the branches twined around the pillars and the buildings now before you. For lack of a better term, they seem to be tendrils coming off of a hive mind or like an interconnected neural network of some sort. Like what is felt in one place will be felt in another. And speaking of which, as soon as all of you pass the wall, do your little experiments by it, right? Abasi kind of ducks under and like brushes herself off. You all hear a voice. Excuse me. And all of you turn and you see the Queen of Sirens song flanked by an entourage of no fewer than six well-trained wild sailor royal guards. We also see kind of off to the side of her entourage what appears to be maybe like a, a dignitary from a reach that is definitely not Siren's song. Their robes seem to be of a different cut and make. And standing before you is Queen Hylian Mylesia. She is a tall, commanding woman with broad shoulders and this medium brown skin. And she has this loose curly black hair that is swept up in a regal ponytail that touches the middle of her waist. And she wears these intricate purple and black silk robes and a crown of ivory thorns with these dangling strings of ebony pearls. And Queen Mylesia holds herself like a weapon wood. She's full of steel and readiness. And her eyes are these bright, dazzling brown shades, and her elegant robes seem to disguise a deceptively muscular frame. Your Highness. And Lumira bows gracefully, intentfully, matching her stature itself. Zainan doesn't say anything. He just removes his hat and kind of stands next to Lumira like, I work for her. Don't worry about it. Thayer kneels clunkily, like someone who has practiced this but doesn't get it. Might I ask who you are and what business you have lighting my soul shanks ablaze? Answer wisely. Your Highness, a freak accident is what sparked a blaze, your soul shanks. My team only did what was necessary in order to help assist, stop the conflagration before it reached any further. You and I both know how devastating that would be to this area. The Queen lifts a finger and we see a vine curl out from underneath her sleeve and it kind of twines around her finger and like a leaf sprouts. It blooms open and from that leaf a bud and from that bud a flower. And she kind of holds the flower up to her face like it's talking to her, but none of you hear anything. She raises an eyebrow and turns her gaze back onto you, Lumira, and says, fascinating. Your assertion, given the fact that my soul shanks claim it was him that set them ablaze, and her eyes fall upon Sayer. 
And then she opens her mouth to address you, Sayer, but then her gaze flicks to the side where all of us see Abasi. This entire time she's been trying to like retreat back through the wall. She's been trying to like escape and like has been hiding behind Sing. Uh, and the queen's like very put together kind of cold ascertaining look immediately freezes and something kind of hot like anger flashes underneath the surface and she just goes, Princess Sahar? And Abasi freezes like one foot outside the wall and one foot inside of it. And she kind of turns and says, Oh, uh, hey, Queen Hylian, uh, how are you doing? Princess Abasi Zahar. <sighs> your parents have been sending me some very concerning and accusatory missives about your whereabouts. I and she kind of cuts herself off as she glances over at her like wild sailor crew, as well as like the emissary who is like taking all of this in with wide eyes from like a completely different reach you assume is not the Raya, right? And then the queen goes, I, I have this under control. The five of you follow me to my sanctuary. We have much to discuss. The Raya is threatening war. This episode was sponsored in part by Die Hard Dice. If you're looking to add some gorgeous dice to your collection, check out Die Hard Dice. They have iconic metal dice, enchanting polymer dice, plus velvet dice trays, portable scrolls, and dice bags. Die Hard Dice is on a mission to be the shopkeep every hero looks forward to seeing, providing premium products that bring infectious delight to every table. They are driven by their customers' stories of adventure and daring, and they are so passionate about making dice and accessories that will help you elevate your gaming experience and keep telling stories in your own unique way. Use the code CHAOS at checkout for 10% off any purchase at DieHardDice.com. This episode of Transplanar RPG was edited by C. Thomas. Our original intro theme music is by Jonathan Charles. Transplanar RPG is supported by our incredible Patreon precepts. Folks pledge to our highest tier on Patreon. A massive thank you to Charles, Cora Eckert, Brooke Bright, River, Chiacres, Scruffesis, Lex Slater, Hat. Alex, Mark J, Lyle and Peanut, Spencer, Brooke in Seattle, Derek Davidson, and Phil. Pledge to our Patreon today for as little as $3 a month to unlock exclusive news, character sheets, GM notes, and even the chance for your tabletop OC to cameo in our show. Until next time, Transplay Nerds! <laughs>